friends, welcome back to another episode of Perspectives by Women in Securities Finance. This podcast series furthers our mission to support our community as we seek to promote the advancement of women in the securities finance marketplace. We hope you leave today with a broader perspective or ideas about ways to further your network and career. Or perhaps a deeper education on important business changes in our marketplace. Now let's get into the episode. In honor of International Women's Day, I'd like to introduce you to two inspiring women who have helped to transform my life with their yoga studios. Welcome Tessa Jenkins, the Works Yoga Studio in Malvern, PA, and Kristen Sapp, Orange Lotus Hot Yoga Studio in Exton, PA. So thank you so much for inviting us. It's my pleasure. Thank you. You ladies are incredibly inspiring. Not only are you gorgeous on the outside, more importantly, you're gorgeous on the inside. When I met each of you, I was blown away by your energy, your kindness, and your studios. And I'd like to share some of your secrets with our listeners and our members. So maybe we'll start with you, Tessa. Tell us a little bit about how you started your studio. I have been working in the yoga industry as a teacher. Before that, I was an ICU nurse. That was my original career. I was in healthcare. And then I was in the pharmaceutical world as a project manager. Suffered a back injury, found yoga. It helped heal my physical body a bit. I had some other help too. And I started working for some studios and I was what I would call like little miss big ideas. As I was working for other people, I found there's a style in which you can host a studio. It's not just the look of it. It's like how you feel when you come in. And there was always in the back of my mind an idea of if I ever had this opportunity, what would I do? And I would actually keep a notebook, like a probably never happened notebook. And I'd write down some ideas of what I liked and what I didn't like about the yoga world that I was experiencing. What did you like and what didn't you like about the (laughs) yoga world? I worked for some male-owned studios and some male-managed studios. And there is a male gaze, not just how we are perceived and to look in this world, but there's also a male gaze as it applies to yoga and how you look in a room and how you move your body. And I just felt like some of the things that were concentrated on in some of the studios that were not run by a female just didn't ring true with me. Good example is like, you know, a hyper fixation on what the sports bra should be branded to wear. And I'm like, let's try and talk about getting the times of the classes that suit the people that are coming in here rather than what they need to wear. Because if they wear a t-shirt or they wear their sweater, it doesn't really matter as long as we can get them here and give them the space. So there was a little bit of I say this quote a lot. I'm pretty sure I've said it to you before. There's a quote from an ancient text called the Bhagavad Gita. And it's a quote that sits with me that says, on this path, no effort is wasted. So even when you have an opportunity to work for somebody else and you see things that you don't care for, like that example I gave you about branded sportswear, which look, I love a good branding moment too. But what do you not like about it? Why do you not like about it? And what would you do? And I feel like some of the opportunities that you get in this world in any job that you have, there's learning to take away. And the learnings are also including the things that you don't like. So I had my little notebook, the pandemic hit, 
I was like, I'm never, ever, ever going to open a yoga studio. That's brutal. But then just kind of the universe did have my back. I will sound like a yogi here for those of you listening, but the universe had my back in that the space that I run now is actually where I did my training and it had an interim owner and they didn't want to run it anymore. And they had heard through experiences with people I knew that I had that little book that I had saved that I decided not to do. And they reached out to me and said, the space is available for you. So the timing worked out fantastic. Everything works out as it should. It does. It does. You have to remind yourself that regularly. And the timing is very important. Exactly. And not to get discouraged and give up when something doesn't happen when exactly you think yeah. it should happen. Absolutely. How about you? How did you end up creating your studio? Well, kind of completely differently. So I found my way to yoga. My mom took me to a yoga class and it was a time I already had two kids. They were little and she just thought I would like this yoga class. So I visited her in Florida. Okay. We have help somebody to watch the kids. I'll go to yoga class with you and took the class and like, it was fine. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. That's for sure. But very quickly, within a couple hours after I knew I had done something extremely powerful and I knew I hadn't felt that way before. And I had done other exercise. I've always been active. I played sports. I just knew I felt different than before. And so I was kind of hooked in right at that moment. And I had a job at the time, part-time because I had two kids and didn't love that job and hated leaving my house to go to a job I didn't love and leaving kids at home. Like if I was going to leave, it had to be worth it. And the place I was in at that moment wasn't really worth it. So the wheels started turning. Okay, maybe I can teach this. Maybe I can do this. Maybe I could have a studio one day. And I've always had a desire to help people. I wanted to be, well, I was a psychology major in college for a short time, also wanted to be a teacher, like always wanted to be working with people and helping people. And then this came up and it just seemed like such a good fit. And it didn't happen overnight. I went to a teacher training and started teaching and still had that other part-time job because I couldn't get rid of it. We needed it and did both for a while and then knew that ultimately I wanted to own a studio, not because I wanted to be a business owner. That was never really in the list of things I might want to do, but I did want to teach yoga and I did want to be able to affect as many people as possible. And we teach a specific type of yoga is one of the things that we teach. And at that time, there weren't a lot of studios. So I felt like it would be really beneficial if there were more. And so I just started looking and then found my space and then transitioned. It dovetails nicely into the next question we have, which is how did you get the courage, but more importantly, and practically, how did you get the funding? <laughs> the courage is an interesting question. I've never really shied away from a challenge, even when I'm afraid. It's sort of one of those things just about me, like, okay, I think I can try. And I'm an extremely optimistic person. So they go nicely together when trying to do something like this. The challenge part of wanting to open the studio, I mean, of course, there's a lot of doubts that come up along the way of, can I do this? I've never run a business. I don't know how to run a business. I don't know the first thing about running a business, but I do know how to teach yoga and I'm pretty sure I can figure it out. Like people will come in and the rest I'll learn along the way. As far as funding, most of it was savings that we, my husband and I had had, and then some loans and some family help. And luckily 
a lot of hard work. It worked out. <laughs> but it's interesting that we're doing this because when that question came up as a potential question, I thought, gosh, having something like this or having a group of people that I could have gone to in that moment would have been amazing. And since opening, I have found those groups for support and help and guidance. But when you're first starting out and you really don't even know who to ask for help, it's a really strange kind of lonely place. And it's like yoga, you know, you just do one thing at a time, one foot in front of the other, and eventually you get there. But things like this are so important for women to have because there wasn't somebody I thought, oh, I'm going to call so-and-so and ask even like how to get a small business loan for a woman, which they're there, but all of it feels so overwhelming in those moments. It's hard. Thank you for sharing that. What were some of the mistakes or the challenges that you had to overcome in creating your studios and flexing and modifying, whether it's your schedules or your staffing, to share with our listeners who might be interested in trying a new venture and concerned about big problems that they might face? I think problems are one of those things that Luckily, at the start of my business, somebody said to me, basically what you're doing all day is solving problems, which I actually don't really love to do. I don't really like to have to make a decision super quick and it's going to stand. And I, at first, would get really nervous about that. Like the schedule is this way. And if I change it, I'm going to upset these people, but then these people are going to want it. And how do you keep everybody happy? And the answer is you can't keep everybody happy and you have to really lean into that intuition and self-trust, which at the heart of it, that's what yoga is all about, you know, connecting to yourself and starting to really listen to yourself and trust yourself. And I think Tessa would agree that being a yoga teacher and then a studio owner, they're just extensions of your yoga practice. You know, they just force you to use those skills that you use in yoga in real life. Like we teach people all the time. And so I had to really lean into that part of it and just know that I was going to make decisions based on both keeping a business healthy and keeping a community happy and satisfied and offering what I could offer. Thank you. Tessa, do you have anything else to add in terms of challenges and advice? Yeah. You know, I feel like when you open a business, of course, you have your personal idea of what success looks like in businesses like we have, it's capacity, right? How many people are talking about it? How many people are voting with their dollars and on their mats, right? So there is that constant evaluation on trying to be everything for everybody versus what can you offer, even if it's somewhat niched, right? So, you know, I think some of the mistakes I made early on is I was just trying to make everybody happy pretty early on because I wasn't sure how it would land as well and really understanding what the needs of the community were. Luckily, I didn't have too many colossal errors. When you have a business like ours, sometimes it's like a workshop that people really aren't that interested in or a timing of a class or something like that. So it's fairly easy, especially with the training and the practice that we breathe where you breathe and you focus and you do problem solve, right? So trying to be everything to everybody is something that I think I'm still working on. I'm much better with it now, but you still need to have people in the door because then you got to pay your bills, right? So there is that element. And then the other thing is with my nursing background, I worked as a charge nurse when I was in the pharmaceutical industry. I was a project manager. So 
I feel like I have that kind of personality with spreadsheets and ticking the boxes, but then I also have like the feminine yogi, the universe has you. So it's blending it together in the right way where you're still operating a business and, you know, there is a customer service perspective, but it's also treating individuals, teachers and the people who choose to spend their time with you with grace and compassion and empathy. So I feel like not only running our businesses, we're both speaking for each other and I apologize for that, but I'm assuming, you know, you have similar experiences where I have that management side that was in the corporate world. And now I think I'm a much better leader now, not so much a manager where I try and lead by example. I try and step in other people's shoes and understand why things might be happening in terms of managing my teachers. You know, today is a good example. We are in Pennsylvania and we got some snow and I have some teachers that work for me that work full time, 40 hour a week. And they have what I call a jobby, like the job hobby where they loved yoga. They decided to get trained and they do one or two classes a week. And then I have people that this is their primary source of income. So today I was thinking, okay, I have a teacher. This is their primary source of income. It's a snow day. So last night I was not just thinking about the students that would come in and maybe brave the snow, but I was like, do you want to teach it virtually? So you can still not disrupt your income. And she was like, thank you for thinking of that. Yes, I do want to teach, right? Because part of yoga helps you understand is you're just a small piece of this big universe that's coming around, right? And how can you support your community best? And it starts with supporting your teachers and the people working for you. I can feel that when I walk into each of your studios, not only selfishly has it transformed, you know, how I feel like a sense of peace and comfort in my bones and my skin, but it transcends just the physical, right? Your teachers your teach us how to reshape and think about what's important in life. And the community that each of you have created is palpable. You walk in and the instructors have a sense of ownership of your studios. They feel like it's theirs. They mm-hmm. take pride in it. There's a sense of warmth and comfort and ease in which they operate because they feel safe and they feel loved by you as owners. And then the people who come in feel the sense of community. Some classes are much chattier than others early in the morning, (laughs) but you can feel that they feel this warmth and joy coming to class, right? To exercise, but it's much more than that. So what do you think it is that makes your studio so magical? So I think that that's a really interesting question because I have a lot of studio owner friends across the country. And I think that every studio owner will tell you that the best part of their studio is their community because we all love the people that come in. And I think it definitely starts with you attract things that are like you and you attract things that are like your business. And it sounds like Tessa's teachers, I know my teachers, the why of why they're teaching and why they show up every day and how they want to help people really comes through in their teaching. And I think that you do feel that and it's extremely genuine. And I think along the way, I've had lots of different staff members and they've really all been fantastic. I've been really lucky, but as I evolve as a leader, I've noticed my staff has evolved as well. And we're at a really, really good place right now. And the community evolves as well. And that's okay. You know, like it's a good part of it. It grows, it changes, it shifts, and people are there when they need to be there and grow together as that community then. So 
honestly, I say the people are what make it so special. Obviously, I like the classes that we teach. I think that we have a really good program and great offerings, but it's that willingness of people to come together and work together to better themselves, but in a group setting where they're supported and encouraged and lifted up that it's magic. It's fantastic. So I think if you've got that from the top down, it sort of happens organically and your people find you and you find your people and it becomes this really cool thing. I love it. Top down. So Mm -hmm. important. Leadership is so important. These are messages that we want to spread to every single person in our industry and outside of our industry. Okay, Tessa. Yeah, I like to think it's still community, but in a slightly different aspect where at the works, we teach a very physical practice. So of course, there are some that may not run to my studio. It's a heated practice. It's physical. We have different levels of intensity, but I teach in a way and I have my teachers do it where we teach in a way where every practice is welcome. Because there's a lot of judgment, like not just, there's definitely judgment in the fitness world and in the yoga world and the world world, right? Like there's judgment all around. So we, even in our words and when people come in and they're new, we just try and make them feel welcome to show up however they are. So I am someone who experienced a back injury at 40, but I still had a yoga practice. So I would go into studios and like lay on my mat for an hour. Cause like I literally couldn't move, but the heat felt so good. I got some funny looks, right? But, you know, it's hard to do that. And I want everyone to know you don't have to look physically in a pose this way. Every practice is welcome. Therefore, every person is welcome. Because I do believe that anybody who spends time on their mat, whether it's at my studio or Kristen's studio, is going to be a slightly better human out in the world, right? So I just try and embrace anybody who comes in that is willing to dedicate their time and give their time up and carve that time out of their day because everybody's busy to come in a judgment-free zone. Okay. Last question. What motivates you every day? Just, you know, you must have days when you're just tired. What keeps you going? Both of you. So I'm 48 years old and this is the first time I feel like it is such a gift that I get to work in a job that I love, love and want to do. I enjoyed being a nurse. I enjoyed being in corporate world in pharma. This is a job that's an extension of me. So if I'm having a day, I got two kids. Sometimes they have mornings. I'm at the studio, whether or not I'm teaching or I'm just restocking and seeing the guests that come in. It is my yoga is to host and see people come in, have their practice, they're coming out better for it. And I'm better for witnessing it. It's definitely like my high for the day, seeing everybody. Yeah. I mean, same. I love what I do. I know the importance of a physical practice in my own life. And I know the impact that's had on my own life. So to get to share that all the time with people and provide that space for people to get that, it's a privilege and I don't take it lightly. And it doesn't sound like Tessa does either. And I think when you really love what you do, same, I go there just while people are signing in, just say hi to everybody. And if you ask somebody, they'll tell you that's my favorite part. Just seeing everybody come in, saying, hi, how are you? Catching up. I mean, I love teaching too. And I've come to love running the business. You know, like I said in the beginning, that wasn't ever a goal. Like, oh, I can't wait to run a business. But I've come to enjoy that part because it provides everything else. And so I have created this space that I just really like being in. 
and hopefully everybody that comes in also likes being there as well. Thank you, Tessa and Kristen. You ladies are so inspirational. As I said at the beginning of this podcast, your studios and you individually have helped transform me. I've told everybody about the importance of yoga after having three kids. It's no small feat to try to then recover. And so I am so grateful to have met each of you. I hope our listeners are able to learn a little bit about themselves and what they might want in life after listening to your stories. And in honor of International Women's Day, we thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. Thank you thank for having you. me. Thank you for having us. Thank you for listening to another episode of Perspectives by Women in Securities Finance. And a big thank you to our featured speakers from this episode. And of course, all the active Women in Securities Finance members that are driving real change in our marketplace today. If you have ideas for future episodes or would like to get involved, please visit our website or you can contact Women in Securities Finance via LinkedIn. And to make sure you don't miss an episode, you can subscribe to this series wherever you get your podcasts. And now for our disclaimer. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the presenters and do not reflect the views or opinions of their respective employer organizations. This material is for your private information and does not constitute legal, tax, or investment advice. There is no representation or warranty as to the current accuracy of nor liability for decisions based on such information. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Mm -hmm.